This is Messenger Insight, a podcast program brought to you by Oklahoma Baptists and the Baptist Messenger. Welcome to this Messenger Insight podcast episode. Pleased to be joined with two friends here who we're going to be talking about great ministry happening right here in Oklahoma. Amy LaRue is with Hope is Alive Ministries and Keith Burkhart, pastor at First Southern in Dell City. Welcome, y'all. Thank you. Thank you for Welcome. having us. Good to see you. Well, we're going to be talking about a, an issue that's part of, part of the cultural conversation, talking about uh, families that are facing uh, addiction issues and how we can come alongside them with the hope of Jesus. And many of our listeners will be aware of Lance Lang, who uh, founded Hope is Alive Ministry, his powerful testimony and just what the Lord has been doing. And there's some initiatives from that uh, that we're going to be talking about today. Amy, why don't you start and tell us um, tell us about what all is going on there. Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, Lance Lang started Hope is Alive Ministries um, to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. And we do that in two ways in our ministries. We have our sober living homes um, with those finding recovery um, learning how to live a sober life and a full life of recovery in a faith-based home. We also have the side that I oversee and am passionate about is our Finding Hope, which is our support groups for the family members impacted by um, loving someone addicted to drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Tell us a little more about those support groups, what they're like, and how it kind of plugs in with the, the local church. Um, so Finding Hope, we are a support group for loved ones of drug addicts and alcoholics, whether our loved ones are in recovery or not. Um, we know this disease impacts the whole family, not just the person um, that has that substance use disorder. It impacts the whole family. Over 165 million um, Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing a substance right now. And we know from those 165 million, there's a mom, a dad, a, a wife, a sister, a brother, a son, um, a grandma that is just hurting and needs some support, doesn't know what to do, who to turn to, what the next step is, how do I get them clean and sober? I raise them in a Christian home. What What's the next step? And they just need to know that they're not alone in this and that um, there is support and that it's not their fault and ultimately that there's hope. And, you know, we talk about the hope we find first in Jesus. Absolutely. You know, uh, you mentioned that statistic and, you know, it's just one of those glaring issues that every community, every church, really every family and extended family is facing it at some level. Uh, Keith, you've you've ministered in in the church and in a lot of contexts, working here at the state yeah. convention too. Um, are are you seeing a more willingness for for Christians and churches to step into this area and see it as an opportunity? Could you give us some observations yeah, there? Yeah, you know, the answer is yes. Um, I think the more we take it out of darkness and bring it in the light, the more people are set free. And most people in the church think they're alone, and that's one of the statements with the Finding Hope support group. It's not only you're not alone, it's not your fault, and there is hope. And so I believe it starts to open the door. I still find that there, I believe there are many in my own church and, and you know, believers all across our churches 
that are still living in shame because they do think they're alone, or they're afraid that their church will not embrace them, and and so they they keep it shrouded in darkness, and they continue to live not in addiction, but in the pain of being a family member or a parent of a someone in addiction. Um, you know, I first met Lance. He was one year out of his sobriety. And we were sitting talking about maybe coming to Rewired to tell his story. And he had, yeah. he was working on his book or wanted to. And, you know, that one year we had uh, the white flag ceremony and we had men identify things that, uh, a number of things that they mm-hmm. uh, were chained to. I never thought it would impact my life. You know, we pulled the curtain back on addiction then, but I didn't know I would have a son that would spend time in addiction. He's three years sober now. And so to be able to share that openly with my church, when I did that early on, that's when we saw the breakthrough happen Mm -hmm. in his life because we moved from shame to the power of collective prayer in the body of Christ, people warring for my son. And uh, now we talk every day. He he's thriving. Wow! And he his story is much like Lance. And I never thought it would come back to me. And so this is very personal. Uh, not only as a pastor, we have a thriving Finding Hope support group, and I can tell you more about the dynamics of that. Uh, people even that are former addicts are attending that are members uh, because they want to be supportive. And they're seeing the cycle of addiction come back home to them as well. And so um, it's an incredible ministry, and it's lay-led within the church. And I could not be more thankful for finding hope and for the ministry to our families. That's powerful. Keith, thank you for sharing that. You know, as you as you spoke, I was pondering how there probably was a day in church life where there was some stigma attached mm-hmm. to admitting our family or a family has an issue, and, and the devil thrived on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard one pastor talk about he tempts us to do the wrong mm-hmm. and then condemns us after we do, Yes. whereas Christ cautions us against the wrong but is there to forgive us mm-hmm. after we do. It's the exact opposite, and uh, it's, it's a powerful concept. Amy, you talked about you know these families that are affected. Mm-hmm. Often it's not just the individual who's suffering, but you see the family. And what what does a support group function like for for those? How does it all kind of come together and work? You know, we just want people to come and feel loved and accepted. And like Keith was talking about that shame. Mm -hmm. You know, I was full of shame and guilt um, through my husband's addiction and thinking, what did I do as a wife? You know, I thought like I did something, but um, I had... You know, Lance had just been at our church and spoke, and I was able to get in contact with him. And he invited me to a Finding Hope meeting in the middle of my husband's addiction, and I didn't think I needed it. But when I stepped into that room, still full of shame and guilt, worrying about who I'm going to see in this room, Mm -hmm. I actually felt a sense of relief. Like, these people get it. And I say all the time, you don't get it unless you live it. Um, they looked normal. I know that sounds mm-hmm. crazy that I'm saying that, but they were just like me mm-hmm. and like Keith. Like, there's nothing, you know, this is a disease, and um, and so we do need to break that stigma. And so when you walk into the support group, 
I these are like family. Mm-hmm. It's just like you would a Sunday school or a small group. Like we come together, love on one another, listen to one another. We at the beginning we give everybody the chance to check in. How are you doing? Hmm. How are you doing? And we just let them share what's on their heart or in their you know what's going on because so many pe- times they're quiet, they're silent, and if you're haven't been impacted Mm. by it, it's hard to understand what they're going through. So we take the beginning to check in, and then we have a time of learning as well. Um, We have some some great curriculum that has been created for Finding Hope, and we learn it, and then we talk about how we're going to apply this to our lives. And being able to then also grab a number from somebody that's in the meeting that we can call in that crisis mode. Or okay, I don't know what to do in this situation, or I just need someone to pray with me. Um, Like last night, we had a group at Quill Springs Baptist Church, and I could just feel as people walked in the door, the heaviness that they were feeling, the tears they were trying to fight back because they didn't Mm want to cry. But then once they sat down, took some deep breaths, we prayed in for the meeting, they were able to, their shoulders just to relax a little bit, knowing that they were in a safe place where they could openly cry and that we knew, everyone knew what they were going through at that time. That's powerful. I admire your sharing your testimony as well. I mean, that's, and and Keith talked about it, when it's, when someone shares or takes that step, the the Lord moves in, and they're Absolutely. they're sharing the burden with you, and they're pr- they're praying with you. So these groups are starting to. It's something a church could say. We want to do that. We want to have a group and and absolutely connect we, with y'all. We think we know we believe that this finding hope needs to be in every church and yeah. every community because the body there's so many people impacted by it in there and hurting and just a safe faith-based support group for this there's other support groups out there and um, but what i when i talk to people on the phone all the time they're like we need something faith-based i just talked to someone from rhode island yesterday and she's like what do you we have out here what do you have anything out here and it broke my heart to say we don't have a Finding Hope group out there, but we do have a Zoom option trying to get, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so we are. We want them, you know, all they have to do is I train up the leaders yeah. um, and I'm there to support the leaders through the whole process. I'm there to answer the questions, answer, you know, be there to support their members. Um, and we so we do believe that this needs to be in every church and every community, not just in Oklahoma, but in the United States. We're actually going to start one in Canada soon, wow. too. So every country needs mm-hmm. it, too. That's awesome. And so they can go to the website and try to get in touch with you yes. if a pastor's listening to this. And- Absolutely. They can go onto our website at findinghope.today, or they can just email me directly at amy, A-M-Y, yeah. at hopeisalive.net. That's awesome. Thank you for offering that. Keith, you might talk about yeah. your experience in getting involved with it and what that's been like yeah. both as a dad and a pastor yeah. and leading a church. Yeah, and I would like to say yeah. first that Amy is she's just taking this every every week it seems like she's investing more and more and and so I want to brag on her. It's she's taking this to a really great level. Uh and it's meeting the need. And so that aside, yeah, it, you know, I was just reflecting as she was talking. Last, we have um, one of the house leaders uh, on the south side is a member of our church, Trevor. He's so on fire. It's so fun to watch. And um, last week we baptized uh, a young man. 
it, it came full circle. He grew up about seven years in life of our church when Tom Elliff was pastor. Hmm. They moved uh, to Stillwater, and and then now he's in a group on the south side. Wow. Came and he gave his life to Christ. We baptized him last uh, Sunday, and it was it's just so fun to see the whole body at work in that in our church now serving and embracing uh, families like that, and so. You know, Brian, it's it's said, and your children are not right. Nothing's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I didn't, uh, never dreamed this would come into our life. But what God has used it in my life as a pastor now, uh, I was I was riddled with shame because this started happening before I left the convention as the family and men's ministry leader, and you know. All that means is I, we all just have bigger targets on our on our backs mm-hmm. and on our families. And if Satan can't get you from outside, he'll get you inside. And and so we began to face this. And I was riddled with shame. I wanted to keep it a secret because I didn't know what people would think, you know. And I had to finally kill that fear and bring it to light. And and it, it changed uh, how we view things. I'm a better pastor now. I have far more compassion. Because now I've walked with these families, and uh, and so I, it was a difficult road. It was, it's hard on a couple's marriage. And so there's so many factors at stake. The children are not healthy because the brokenness that's going on in that. No one knows what to do, and so the church cannot be passive. We can't, we can't just kind of ignore the the elephant in the room. And and so I'm grateful that. We have a way of now pressing into that, and as I told a bunch of the guys that were from the South Side yesterday or Sunday, I said, you know, all these things you're learning are so important, but Jesus is the only thing that's truly going to make the difference. You can put principles into place, but without Christ in the center of your heart, making Him Lord and King of your life, you will not have long-term recovery. And and so they need to hear those things. They need to be a part of a local church and. And so we walk, my wife and I, we, as often as I can, I'm in the group. We meet every Wednesday night. My wife's there more than I am. It's important to lead in that and show people. But um, I just want people to know it is a safe place. Don't hide in shame. You need community. They reach out, just like she said. We have members from Emmaus that come. We have members from Frontline that come. It's there's no ownership of that. They are welcomed because we all have the same problem, and, uh, and Jesus is is the one that will fix it. And so, it's just I can't say enough about it. But I did not want to walk this path. I didn't. I would not want this on anyone. But I want you to know, my son came to Christ. He mm-hmm. had a form of godliness. He had a profession of faith, but he, he never surrendered. His mm-hmm. life, and so our church to see, to celebrate after they began joining us in prayer for me to baptize that same young man, and then him to start bring his his two children, his wife who stuck with him, and get involved. And they now live in Florida, and they're very connected in the Church of Florida. But I'm just, it, it was the church got to celebrate all of those steps, and if I would have kept it in secret. We had never had victory. The church had not seen that God can do anything, mm-hmm. and that Jesus will change lives. And so, 
that's kind of our story. And um, I just want pastors to know out there, you're not alone. I talk to pastors, they live in, the, uh, in a, a cloud of shame. You're not alone. Um, and you don't have to walk this either. And I would love to talk to any pastor, give them hope and encourage them. Go to the website. You don't, you, can, you don't have to have a group. A group is healthy, but if you don't have the numbers, go to the website and, and, and watch each, each session, and that will encourage your people. It's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that word, hope. You know, I've heard a pastor say sometimes God gives us a burden before a blessing, and, and certainly uh, you had to carry a burden through it. But mm-hmm. getting to the other side and talking to so many who overcame an addiction, it's the old phrase of he's forgiven much, loves much, and seeing mm-hmm. the worship, yeah. seeing the prayer yes. and just the, the joy uh, mm-hmm. come into their life and their family. Uh, so, Amy, uh, what what are some what are some key things um, as a pastor thinks about this? Is it is it just as simple as contacting y'all and thinking about a group and seeing what resources and absolutely? So, I want to make it as easy as I can on pastors mm-hmm. and the leaders, and so we also want to be their nine one one call for yeah. addiction. I mean, I remember when I discovered with my husband his addiction. I went to my pastor and he hadn't been personally impacted by addiction yet. And we were able, he was able to pray with me and, you know, walk me through, but he was also able to give me the resources to get plugged in to Hope is Alive, to get, you know, the resources. And so that's what we want to do. Um, so to start a group at their church, I'll, you know, first reach out to me, ask me the questions. They meet twice a month. And so it's just being able to willing, openly open their doors to allow us to meet in a safe environment. Um, And then the next step is to identify leaders. And um, the leaders most likely need to have been impacted by addiction in some way, or, you know, they have a family member. um, And then they go through a a short training with me and we take off, we're ready to go. We're actually about to start about 10 new groups across the United States this fall when a lot of you know small groups start kicking off and everything at churches and so um i'm just real excited to see where the lord's going to lead us you know um brian when i first discovered my husband's addiction and didn't know what to do i was in a friend's kitchen um and dropping off my kids because my husband was at the er and i just stood there with tears down going down my cheeks saying lord just allow me to use the storm. You know, I knew he didn't put us, he puts us in these storms and these situations for a purpose. And I didn't know if my husband was ever going to get clean and sober. He is sober today. Um, but I did know like someday I wanted to be able to help somebody, another wife. Like yeah. I just want to help one other. And so I just continue to pray for him to use it, whether my husband got sober or not. And here I am today. Never thought in a million years I'd be working for a ministry, um, you know, and doing, you know, but God has called me to this and is using the storm. And like, I just want people to know that they're not alone, that there is help out there um, to not let the shame and guilt yeah. and get stay stuck in that storm um, and to find the freedom that, you know, I have found in the support and, you know, they are my family, you know, like I can call on them no matter what. My husband went through a relapse a couple of years ago 
And I wouldn't have been able to go through that in a healthy way mm-hmm. if it wasn't for finding hope and the people I've met through it. It's powerful. You know, one of the questions I was hoping to ask was, are there any personal stories you've heard of and you all have just shared from the heart today? So it blesses me to hear those testimonies and that God carried you through. Could you give us that website one more time, Amy? Absolutely. Yeah. Finding Hope dot today. That's great. Well, this conversation's flown by. I can't believe the episode's over, but thank you for coming on. Please do check out that website and uh, find hope and the hope in Jesus Christ. And just thank you for your efforts. Thank you for sharing your testimony today, y'all. Absolutely. Thank Thank you you for having us. God bless. This Messenger Insight has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. Visit us at baptistmessenger.com or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptists, advancing the gospel together.